Just a reminder that um, I am supported by your donations, also known as dana. So anything you can do, give to support my teaching, I appreciate. Um, I wanted to, uh, let me see, I want to talk a little about, about mindful listening and mindful speaking. Um, and I, kind of, I usually kind of pair that up with step five, because step five is about, you know, as we admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, which in the 12-step uh, process means that you, typically it means that you share your inventory, your fourth step inventory, with uh, a sponsor or someone. <coughs> so I, I kind of use step five as a place to, to bring up the, idea of um, mindfulness in speech. But I want to talk about that after I talk about step six and seven, so I'm kind of flipping it a little bit, uh, because after I talk about step six and seven, then I'm going to ask you to uh, work together in small groups. Um, so step six and seven, I, you know, I find that I've, I think I've done... In some ways, I may have written more about those steps than any other steps. Um, I know they took up a lot of space in the, in my first book, and then in my second book, they are also uh, step seven, particularly is pretty long, um, and and that's because well, I'll recite the steps. Step six is we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And step seven is we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. So one step says we're talking about defects of character. The other says they're shortcomings. Um, I don't think it's so important what we call these things. Because um, certainly a lot of people don't like the idea of having defects but um, or being defective. But um, But I think we all can agree that we could use some improvement. Uh, but what, um, what I think these steps are about is this is the real letting go. This is, the, this is the real, in a lot of ways, the real moment of transformation in the steps. It's, it's um, you know, in steps four and five, we've, we've looked at our inventory, kind of really looked within ourselves and and been really tried to be really honest about our failings, the way we've harmed people, the way we've harmed ourselves. You know, and that comes after you know. Step one is kind of a, a kind of inventory as well, and uh, so you know, there's been a lot of work at kind of defining the problem when we get to step six, and so now is the time to to really change. And, you know, in the traditional literature, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it, you know, talk, talks about how to do these steps, and it, and it really kind of makes it sound as if, if you take it too literally, that it's just about make, saying a prayer, kind of reflecting and then saying a prayer. Um, but, uh, you know, everything else that's kind of written about these steps in the other 12-step literature, it makes clear that it's really an ongoing process, that... 
this transformation or this letting go is um, something that's, that we work on uh, really throughout our lives. So I think it's, you know, what I've always been kind of curious, and particularly when I first um, looked at the steps, how this was supposed to work, and that, which is probably why I've written a lot about it, because I, I, it's a, a pretty important question to me. How, how am I supposed to really change? How, how am I supposed to let go? I, I, you know, I say let go because um, it says remove our shortcomings. So since I don't think that there's some God, you know, performing psychic surgery on me to remove things, then the kind of Buddhist way or the you know, spiritual way of talking about it is letting go um, of our shortcomings. Uh, but even that, for me, isn't really sufficient to kind of encapsulate what we're talking about because it's not just, this isn't just a matter of getting rid of things. It's also a matter of cultivating other things. Right? I mean, the change we're trying to, trying to bring about is not just one that we're going to stop doing the negative behavior. We also want to start, start doing positive behavior and start bringing more positive things into our lives. So that, that really means to me that this is the heart of of recovery of a of a of the twelve steps, and that it it's also really at the heart of the Buddhist practice, um, which is then kind of brings me to to really talking about practice, and in in, um, in Burning Desire, my second book, uh, I take this step as an opportunity to talk about. The types of practice, so uh, the ways that we change that that through mindfulness, this is obviously the core practice, and the insights that come through mindfulness, but also through the development of concentration and calm, the kind of the peacefulness that comes from practice, vital part of of change, of letting go, and of cultivating. Uh, there's also the practices of cultivating loving kindness, the Brahma Viharas, working on compassion and these elements, um, which you know all of these have their have their uh, opposite sort of negative things. So when we're cultivating mindfulness and insight, we are trying to let go of our tendency to be in denial or to uh, you know uh, just get lost, be spaced out, and just rush through life. When we're cultivating concentration and calm, we're trying to let go of stress. We're trying to let go of the agitation and restlessness. When we're cultivating loving kindness and compassion, we're trying to let go of judgment, of, of resentment, of anger. And then the, the other form that I talk about, uh, which really relates to all of these, is the contemplation. Uh, and contemplation is just the taking time to reflect deeply on on ourselves and and to look deeply into ourselves. Um, so it's more intentional thought. So in 
in the Buddhist world, you know, this, these are some of the ways and probably the main ways that we practice, uh, that through meditation we cultivate the positive and try to let go of the negative. There's also, uh, we could kind of, if we put this in the context of the Eightfold Path, we can say that there's also the whole realm of action. And this is where uh, the steps are probably more oriented. Well, no, maybe that's, that's probably not true, but we call it a program of action. But in the, in the Buddhist world, you know, we're trying to follow the precepts, which again is letting go of the negative behaviors and starting to to behave in more skillful ways, in less self-centered ways. Um, the practicing right livelihood, practicing right speech. So these are the more external ways that we try to bring about change. So all of this is founded, you know, this, this phrase that I got from Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu, where he says, we are beseeching the law of karma, through our actions, not merely with words. This was his reflection on the, some of the biblical sayings on asking God. Uh, and he says, well, asking God really means that you're taking the actions that will bring about the change. You know, on, on the one hand, that might be disappointing if you were hoping that, you know, some God or some magic or some special meditation or something, some mantra was going to kind of fix you. But I think it's very empowering to realize, oh, this is, this is really about the actions that I take. That's, that's really what's going to change me. So I'm not just um, at the whim of some you know, God out there that's, that's just going to determine my fate. Now, it's important when we use the word action, though, when we say we beseech the law of karma through our actions, uh, that we realize that actions take the four, three forms. The, there are thoughts, words, and deeds. So actions aren't always just external things that we do. They're also thoughts, So, we, and then they are you know, or the spoken word or the written word. And, and so we can see, again, that meditation then is kind of the starting point for this process of change. Because it's through meditation that we start to see our thoughts. And that we're beginning to wake up and starting to see that, how we're driven by craving, how we're driven by aversion, how we're driven by self-centeredness. We just, just by sitting still and having to watch all that stuff go through and... Uh, but that's the beginning of waking up. And, the, and if we're not conscious of that, of course, that's what's feeding our speech. That's what's feeding our deeds, our outward actions. So it's the beginning point of changing, is to, is to start to see our thoughts and then be more conscious of what we say and then finally be more conscious of what we do. So all of this is then meant to be driven by right intention, by right view, by our understanding of how things work, by our 
but understanding the Four Noble Truths, that craving, self-centered grasping is going to lead to suffering. And so when we turn it over, in step three, we're trying to turn that over and start to live in harmony with the law of karma, live in harmony with the dharma. You know, I can I can speak these words and I can sum this all up in a you know a few minutes. I hope it makes sense. But clearly, understanding it is not going to bring about any change. It has to be. This has to be taken into action. We have to really embrace these ideas. I mean. For me, it's really important to have this understanding. So without that understanding, what I would call right view, there's no opportunity to take the right action. If you don't see how things work, you you don't have a chance. But it's easy to get enraptured with the ideas. And it's much harder to get up in the morning and day by day, moment by moment, breath by breath, you know, act on these principles, act on these ideas. But that's the challenge that the Buddha puts to us. So that's what I will put to you, uh, you know, to keep, keep at this, keep reflecting on this process and and stay engaged as much as you can. I think this is the hardest thing is to sustain an engagement with our path. That's why people relapse, it's why people quit their meditations, you know, not sustaining. So now I'm going to turn it over to you guys. And um Oh, I said I was going to talk about uh, mindful listening, mindful speech. So we've done some exercises the first couple of weeks. Um, we did some exercises, and I, and I didn't give you instruction on listening and speaking because I just wanted to mainly to save time. <laughs> but uh, we're far enough into this that uh, I, th- I think I can take a few minutes uh, and ask you to um, to work with some intentional effort in your small groups. So first of all, that don't you that there's no crosstalk in your group. So that when you're listening, you can devote yourself to listening and that you're not thinking of things to reply to the person. You're just listening to them. And so this is you know, a critical piece of mindful engagement with people is to be able to listen without interrupting verbally or mentally. You know, it's easier not to interrupt verbally, but can you not interrupt mentally? Can you listen and not space out, not you know, project, not have all your get caught up in your other idea, your ideas about what's being said? Now, that doesn't mean that. Thoughts won't come, but just as with your sitting practice, if you do mindful listening, what you want to do is when your mind starts to drift off, you just come back 
and just focus again on what's being said, just taking it in really kind of a sense, again, of receptivity. So a word that I find myself using a lot in meditation instructions these days, just being receptive, letting the words come to you, receiving them, accepting them, not trying to do something with them. And it can help to just keep some attention in your body, you know, with your breath or just with your, the feeling of sitting so that you're kind of, here I am, I'm here, I'm listening, just being engaged in that way. And mindful speech, the other side of this equation, maybe, uh, I think it's more difficult um, because when we start to speak, it's so easy to you know, speak to project something, to, to try to look good, or to say the things that we kind of have, have we always say about ourselves, you know, or that, that are our opinions that we've, you know, sort of built up. So in mindful speech, we want to be very present and kind of almost like we're listening to ourselves, like listening to your own heart, just letting your just this moment, whatever arises, whatever comes up, see if you can kind of get out of your own way and, and let something, things come up from a deeper place in you. Being very, so, so trying not to talk about, trying not to uh, say things that you've said before, you know, just kind of the old story, not telling your story. Um, and being careful with the use of language. This is part of mindful speech as well. We often use uh, exaggeration in our daily speech, in our you know, common interactions, as a way of making a point, saying, you know, I never do this or I always do that. But the, these kind of exaggerations are, are rarely actually accurate. And so we wind up kind of painting ourselves into a corner when we kind of characterize ourselves or our experience in these absolute ways, or, or even the world. It's always like this, you know, just seeing. So trying to really be careful that the words you're speaking are provable, which oftentimes I find means that I have to uh, modify what, I would, what I'm about to say or what I want to say by kind of uh, bringing, making it more conditional. You know, it seems as though I always do this, or, um, you know, it, I often find myself doing this, something like that. So that's my spiel uh, on uh, trying to be mindful and listening and speaking. So how do you want to form groups? Want to do it by number or just by organic gathering? Number. Okay. So let's. Uh, I don't know. Do you have still have the same groups? The people are still here. That how many people have a number? <laughs> You counted one too many. You're a one. So, what? Six. You're a six. Do we have enough for six? Yeah, four of us. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we do. 
All right. Who doesn't have a number? No, I know it's over here, but I know what number. All right. I don't know what. Let's. All right. Get in your groups, and if and whoever doesn't have a group, tr- see if there's a group that will not reject you. <laughs> and don't reject yourself. And I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a topic then. Oh, so so migrate to another group. What? It's not. Uh, it, it should be about four or five. It's probably not. It's probably better if the groups don't get bigger than five because um, this is a pretty dense topic. So. Okay. You guys, let's see, there's four, three, four. So, how many people are over there? Is only two people? Oh, there's three? Okay. Well, why don't you, all right, that's fine. You, uh, you guys are adults, I'll stop controlling you. Let me just give you the topic. Okay, this is on page 141 of the workbook, a how do I change topic. So it has three questions. What gets in the way of change and letting go for me or you? What helps me to change and let go? How can I cultivate those qualities that help me to change and let go? So what gets in the way? What helps? How can I cultivate the things that help? Page 141. Okay? So, as I said, n- not, uh, this time we're going to have n- no crosstalk. Just one person will speak at a time. And, and um, we have about 20 minutes so if you can uh, keep track of your time so that uh, you know, we can get done in about 15 minutes. Then we have a few minutes at the end, okay? So decide who's going to speak first. And
Okay, I hope that was productive. We have a couple minutes if anybody wants to share anything that came out of that. Oh, right, right, yeah. It's interesting, it was kind of like, um, it's almost like the idea of the priest behind the screen in confession, uh-huh. where you, you look away and they're behind the screen and so there's yeah. no, there's a presence there. That's yeah, not interesting, so, I like that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's very common, and, and you know, I'm certainly not suggesting that you should interact with people in this way, like a sort of non, non-reactive way. But uh, but it's also like any mindfulness exercise, a place where you, you notice the tendencies, the, and and you can reflect a little bit on what that what that means, because certainly a lot of that tendency is an effort to connect with others. But sometimes it's also you know, it expresses different things. Sometimes it can be um, just a wish to make the other person feel comfortable or uh, or even to make them think you're listening when you're not, you know, or, or um, it can be a, a subtle way of guiding people what they say. Like it, when you act really interested, then they're going to know, oh, they're being entertained by this, I'll stay on that track. Um, so it's it's good to to practice it in this kind of context. I think I, I know good. I think it's useful in any case. Um, so yeah, we are just about out of time. I, I just wanted to mention that uh, I am gonna we're gonna have a substitute teacher in two weeks for the seventh class, the second to the last class. So Walt Opie from the Berkeley Dharma and Recovery Group is going to lead the class that week, and um, I, that w- that's because of some scheduling. I, I hadn't realized when I well something came up with my family for that week, but but I I, I really think it can be helpful to have other people come in and, and teach. Uh, to hear another voice and another viewpoint. So I, I hope you'll find that uh, interesting and helpful to have Walt. So I'll remind you of that again next week. But let's just close with the dedication of merit.
Uh, just to take a moment of appreciation for the people who you were interacting with. We are very fortunate to have each other, to have people who share this interest and who are willing to be honest and open. Our practice is meant to be for the benefit of all beings, including ourselves. So our dedication is that may all beings be free from the suffering of addiction. May all beings find peace and freedom. So next week we'll look at steps eight and nine and we'll do some uh, forgiveness and loving kindness meditation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.